1: <laughs> but
0: we can discuss that later. Yeah, yeah.
1: All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my
0: close up.
2: Coming to you direct from our super secret studio.
0: Hello, this is Washington for Beautiful People on Deep State Radio. And we're broadcasting from the West Left Coast. And I am your host, Emily Brandwin on Twitter, CIA Spy Girl. And I am so excited. This is my first podcast where I have two guests and they're my favorite dynamic duo ever on Twitter, like ever, better than like Batman and Robin or like, I was trying to think of all my favorites like Mickey Mouse and Minnie, but they're not on Twitter. They're the best. It's Rick Wilson and Molly Jongfast. Hello guys. Hi.
2: Hey Emily, thanks for having me.
0: Oh my goodness. Oh, it's, it's the Velvet Fog. Yeah. <laughs> It's Rick Wilson. Oh so my like, gosh. Like oh,
2: for me only I'm alive.
0: Only your ambulatory.
2: Yes. It's right.
0: very exciting. Um I did not read your credits but I can do that really quickly so everybody knows that Rick is a New York Times best-selling author of Everything Trump Touches Dies, the most accurate book ever. Um he's I think also, it was a, like number 1. He was a number 1. Bestseller. How kind it, of a big It idea. was,
2: that it was indeed, and in that never gets old. Yeah. <laughs>
0: how long was it a number one bestseller?
2: Three weeks.
0: That's pretty impressive and exciting. It, it doesn't matter how long. Like the fact that it ever got there is pretty amazing.
2: Yeah. As my agent said, four hundred and fifty-eight people have had that designation. So there you go. I yeah. would.
0: You have like I would go to my high school reunion now. Like if that happened to me, I'd be like, okay, I'm going. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, did I not introduce myself? I'm New York Times number one bestselling author, Mick Wilson, I'm the Velvet Fog. So feel free to use that, that's amazing. And you've seen him um, on CNN, MSNBC, Bill Maher, and you've read all of his work in Politico and Daily Beast and Molly who is, to me, Molly just so you know, like you were mm-hmm. one of my favorite people to follow ever. Uh-huh. On Twitter. You too, Rick. You too. <laughs> um, but many people know you from Twitter, but you're also, you are not also, but you're a writer as well. Normal Girl, uh, Maladjusted, and The Social Climber's Handbook. And you've written from everything from Harper's Bazaar, W, and you're now a columnist for The Forward as well. Yeah. Did I get everything right? Did I make you all sound it's as impressive as you are? What did I screw up? No, no, it's good. It's good. It's good because I, I want to get all that right. I have a question for both of you before we even start. How did you guys become connected? Did you meet on Twitter or in real life? Because I follow you guys on Insta as well, and, and I know that you, are, at, so you have a
2: friendship. Our, we met on Twitter. We, we met yeah. on Twitter machine, as all, as all people do now. <laughs> Isn't that you know, politi- politics used to be filled with people who would say, oh yeah, so-and-so's my good friend, and you know, basically somebody they'd had a handshake with one time. <laughs> and, and even though I'm in the sort of, you know, consulting world where everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's a close friend, he's a good buddy, all that stuff, I never liked to play that game. So I would always kind of shock people. They say, hey, do you know so-and-so? I've heard the name. I don't know who he is, though. <laughs> I've never met him. But Molly and I ended up um, uh, meeting in in the real world, in the meat space, as they say.
1: Really? and
2: uh, And struck up, our, struck up our strange friendship.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: it's true.
1: We... I think we met like two years ago. Is it yeah, two years yeah. now? Just
2: about. Just about. Yeah. Like, just after the election or something.
1: Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I, you know, we're, I, I mean, we're very, in a lot of ways, we're very similar.
0: What do you mean? You know,
1: just which- like we're just both. I, I mean, it, it's not to, like, I mean, I think Rick is funnier than I am, but. We're both charismatic and um very extroverted. No. And
0: yeah,
1: true and we're both um uh very he's very like disciplined and organized. I'm neither of those things.
0: <laughs> um,
1: I'm very like distracted and disorganized. Um he's very very he's like one of those people I have this too. I shouldn't say this because it sounds obnoxious, but He's like one of those people where you people meet them. Like he's good. I do this too. Actually, this doesn't sound obnoxious. This just sounds kind of bad. But um, <laughs> I'm very good at getting people like me. Like okay. for whatever reason, I can. If, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that because it sounds like an asshole thing to say. But no, like I'm extremely good at like finding and figuring out what people like and making them like it. And. Rick is also like that. I hope
2: you're not offended. Yeah, I know. I, I think I think Maui's got a, a good point there. And I think we're also both connectors. Right. We have we both have these broad networks of people that we know and like and and, and you know you you don't just build your own network, you build a network of other people's networks. And so right. I think a lot of a lot of the, the dynamic is that you know we on the left and the right, and you know, you could get a moment where it's you know, me, Tom Raines, and Philippe Raines or Tom <laughs> and Philippe Raines sitting on a couch telling jokes together. Right. It, it might not have normally happened, but you kind of, you have, you have to kind of treasure that sort of thing in the world we live in today. Well,
0: well you both. Awesome. Sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say you both would have done great in the CIA because that's like <laughs> the big skill. Truly. I was like, as you're describing, I'm like, God, they would have been recruited. They would have loved him at the farm because the big thing <laughs> is to be able to like be really friendly and charismatic when you meet somebody and to find, we always call it the Yumi same, same, which is mm-hmm. like it's not a good technical espionage term Mm -hmm. you know you me same same (laughs) where you go up to somebody and you're like oh i need to find that thing that connects us that makes us have a good conversation and you pick out that thing you're like oh you like dogs i like dogs you me same same and then you have this relationship but the way you articulate was a little bit more elegant than you me same same but the other
1: thing i was going to say was and i think rick is going to get annoyed with me for saying this but he's gotten more laughed since we've known each other which (laughs) i consider to be completely my doing (laughs)
0: <laughs> like,
1: like when we first met, he was like, well, he was he was like yeah, I have a lot of guns and da, 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 And now he's like, we were talking the other day, he's like, marginal tax rate. I'm not against a 70% tax rate. AOC has some good ideas. And I was like,
0: well, that's me. Thank you very much, ladies it's, and gentlemen. You're slowly making the turn. You're yes. changing so, slowly. But, but,
2: Mo- but Molly, there will come a day when Molly's out on the range rocking and rolling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, we have There'll a come long- a day when
2: Molly says, Rick, should I get an AR or an AK? I'm just worried about, <laughs> about ammunition availability after shit hits the fan. And,
0: and what would look best with my outfit? That's probably right. my question. I
1: mean, but I do, we really have a good time. We're really, we really have fun. So, and it's good, and it's interesting for me because I'm like, I came from such a like woke, super woke world of like just, but very, 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 um myopic in a lot of ways so it's very you know rick has much more of a sense of what the world is like than i do so that's really interesting too you know were i have you, a very
0: nuanced sense of what the world. Is. were you always political molly or was it no, just
1: no i was, gonna I ask was like, you, like very bourgeois and like writing about the nuances of manhattan life you know i was friends with like with like jay mack and ernie and brad ellis and i wrote books like that and you know i went to parties and i like you know, was in impe- I-, I wasn't like a real person. And then I got sober and I was like, mm, still not really a real person. I married someone. I had lots of children and lived on the upper East side and sent them to fancy schools. And, and one day I woke up and I was like, oh my God, holy shit. Like I, <laughs> I haven't, like, I'm like not a real person. And so, um, that was a couple years ago and that's sort of where I got, you know, but I literally, I, I was like the most was like an inch thick, like z- no, you know, I was thinking, I'm working on this memoir and I was thinking about it, like I came from a world of like complete nihilism, nothing matters, Nothing. everything is nothing to like the idea that things matter. And it's just very profound for me.
0: Was it, do you think it was age that helped with that too? Or, cause I feel like that's happened with me more and more also obviously the election, but, or do you think it was just one of those epiphanous moments that you needed to have?
1: I don't know. maybe i mean i think i I don't know rick is much more sane rick you tell your
2: story you have i think i I think a lot of people in the last uh three years you know we had this luxury in america for a long time of having these two basically homeostatically balanced political parties and you know the left never got too much power for too long and the right never got too much power for too long and then this whole shit show started and i think it's made people reconsider all kinds of things in their social and their political and their personal lives that they might not have, you know, spent a lot of time thinking about 5 years ago. And 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 it's expanded the networks that people end up feeling like are necessary in their lives that you know and, and that it's funny because I had a few longtime Democratic friends in Florida and elsewhere, you know, who I was always friendly with, but where there was always a sort of divide, uh, and a, and a, and it wasn't always a close, very vibrant friendship. But I, I had one or two. I, uh, the the guy who ran Obama stuff in Florida, Steve Shale, a very good friend of mine for a oh, long time. Loved him, and yeah. but but I think now, uh, I mean, and it's not just Never Trump Republicans. A lot of Republicans yes. have been. You know, sort of had to confront their families, their friends. Like, what the fuck yeah. is wrong with you people? How yeah. can you be with behind this guy? What are you? What are you doing to our country and our family and everything else? Because it really has become this like you know, we we like I said, it was sort of a homeostasis for a long time, and now there's like this this scattered, um, crazed kind of energy in the country, and it's not pretty. And people are very nervous about it.
0: As well, I, they should be. I was going to say they should be. It's. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you Could you have figured that your worlds would be where they are now, that you would be as active and like, Rick, you would be, I mean, where you are in terms of the book and, and being this being this voice of, you know, Republican reason out there? Could you have ever envisioned this part of your world happening?
2: Um, honestly, no, because I had a 30 year career in politics and some in yeah. government, but, but mostly in politics. And and it was a very good life. I mean, I, I had a very, very good life. Um, I did super PAC work, and I didn't have to travel all that much anymore, and I was one of the, you know, the gray beards in the business, and you know, I'd been around the block to all these campaigns and knew all these things and all these people. And, and, you know, I would have retired happily at some point, I guess, but whatever it was that happened in 15, when I saw him walk down that elevator, I just thought, oh, fuck this. <laughs> I'm That you know, was I'm, like
0: the most fucked up Avita moment ever.
2: It really was, and and you know the 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 sickness that I knew was underneath this guy, and the and the craziness that I could see. That it was a and I had to admit to myself, you know, guys like me, we built a very effective system for nice. stoking the resentments of a lot of the Fox audience. Mm-hmm. And between 2010 and the day Donald Trump came down that escalator, uh, guys like me who ran a lot of ads that mm-hmm. that were very emotionally charged about how bad Washington treats you and how everyone there is evil and you must destroy them, you know. And I've taken I've taken some responsibility for that. And and I don't regret running hard campaigns. I don't regret running tough TV ads for my candidates. I do regret not seeing that we were building some a, a set of tools. You know, and tools are morally agnostic. You put a chainsaw in my hands and I'm gonna go out and cut down trees on my property. You put a chainsaw in, in a serial killer's hands, he's gonna kill people. Yeah. So, you know, we built a tool set that Donald Trump picked up and stole. And Man. And they didn't say, hey, use this discreetly, use this once in a while, use this a little bit to, you know, get over the finish line. Their idea was, oh well, we got a tool set now. We're gonna burn this motherfucker down.
0: <laughs> right, it's true. Molly, for you, was it him coming down the stairs? Like, do you both remember a moment like Rick? Yeah, you were like, I oh was, fuck no! Like that was like, like
1: shook you. I was like Cassandra. Like I was, I, I said, you know, here I am living this very bourgeois life, and I kept saying to everyone, you know, he's gonna win, and my husband, who's has a lot of fancy degrees was like oh oh, oh, darling that's so funny but it's not gonna happen don't worry and all my friends were oh don't worry it's so it's so funny that you're so anxious but obviously it's not gonna happen and you know I went to a few fundraisers and I did a little bit for her but I I didn't really like her I didn't really connect her with her as a candidate and um right and I was (laughs) never involved in politics because I didn't really, you know, I, I, I live in a blue state and I vote every four years and whatever. And then, um, I, she, that night I was at a party and, and actually I was, I I was with a lot of people who ended up playing, um, with the, what's his name who ends up playing Trump all the time now. Yeah. And, um, and they were all, and we were all like just hanging out and it was really fun and it was great. And then I looked at the New York Times thing and I was like, She's not like she had gone from like definitely going to win and her life is normal to like, holy shit! She's shit. not gonna, she's not gonna win, and you and everything has changed. And I couldn't, I just, I felt like I was on an airplane. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I just had a total meltdown. I,
0: I was, I. It's funny because like I, I think people talk about that day when they found out and like their reaction the next day. Like we talk about any other tragedy in America, they're like when JFK or when Smith, like that to me is such a visceral memory of when that happened and the reactions that I saw. Cause I think LA is very, very similar to New York in that sense and how people think. And we're very, you know, we're very, uh, it's easy to see where we're going to vote and all that. So uh, yeah, it was truly, is there anything now that happens that comes out of his mouth? Do you find, are you ever shocked anymore, Rick? Or are you just like, fuck, this is him? This is just the oxygen that he spews.
2: You know, I, I think I'm probably one of the great anthropologists of Donald Trump. <laughs> and so not a lot surprises me any, any longer. Um, and, and mostly I'm kind of, I'm just kind of, it's like a vague sense of irritation now that a lot of our media friends still continue to cover this. Like this is a real human being who's actually the president and not a weird role-playing dipshit. Uh, he was gonna say <laughs> all the time oh, that's of course he is.
1: Role playing I... dipshit feels very generous, right? It I... does. I was like, you're being very
0: kind. Yeah. You know,
2: it's it's the end of the week. I'm feeling, I, I am feeling magnanimous.
0: It's a very generous. Although I think it would fit nicely on a bumper sticker.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Dipshit twenty twenty.
2: Yeah.
0: Did, did you both of you? Because you're both so outspoken. Were you surprised at sort of the vitriol you get back on social media, or was it? I, was you, I have you been because like you well, get Rick some gets shit. Rick gets more than I do. But
1: you want to go first, Rick? You go on. No, this you first.
2: go. Go ahead, Molly. Go
1: ahead. I I love it. I like love it. I, I I don't know what's wrong with me. I must have some kind of mental illness. But I love it. I don't mind it. I like it. I don't care. I find it. I don't know. I do, I mean I think. I don't get, I'm not, Rick is way in a totally different category than I am, like, a famous, so he gets much, much more, but I like, whenever I get it, I think it's hilarious. Like, I'm so into it. I think it's, like, I don't know, I just, I don't mind it at all, and in fact, sometimes, I you know, I got a lot of, I mean, the one thing I will say is I had, like, a long, you know, I've been, I wrote my, my first book came out when I was 21 and it had like some of the meanest reviews ever that were like totally targeted and personal and like the New York Times wrote a review that was like she basically should be shot into space so she can't uh, subject anyone to her writing ever again it's fine I I survived but like um so I'm used to and like the post has written really mean things about me like I'm used to it so I don't I I don't mind it for whatever reason I sort of enjoy it and I feel like it beats the alternative, but um, I think a normal person, it might bother.
0: Well, you like some of the comments too. Like somebody will say something shitty and I'll like say something back. I'm like, don't you say that to her. And I'm like, she fucking just liked his troll comment. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck I, am I doing? I
1: don't mind it. I think it's funny. I mean, I just don't mind it, but Rick, you probably have a different oh, well, more uh, say, uh, take on this. What?
2: There's the, one of the things I enjoy about it is that that there's this conceit among the minds of a lot of the Trump folks who come after me, that, that Donald Trump has unleashed the, they're giving them a permission structure to go out and say whatever they want, to whoever they want, and, and that all the libtard, Hillary shill cuck, rhino establishment people <laughs> have to shut up, shut up and take it. And an awful lot of people in my, in, my, in the never Trump world Come across as kind of mild-mannered and kind of, you know, kindly. And I take zero fucks from these people. <laughs> Literally, and it, you it take surprises zero them all the time that I'll come back at them and punch them right back in the face. Right. And you know, this is part of just who I am. I do not <laughs> suffer fools at all, uh, and I don't pretend. Uh, you know, Republicans for years were like liberals and progressives want a participation trophy just for showing up. There are winners and losers. Well, guess what? I'm one of life's winners, and I'm going to punch the living shit out of somebody who comes at me and tries to get in my face. It's just how life is going to roll for them. And they're shocked by it.
0: I do I, appreciate your scorched earth um, replies <laughs> that you do to but told, I was like, I literally like, I'm sitting down like, it's it's not even, it's worse than scorched earth. I'm like, I think then he comes out and he's just like, and then I'm gonna just pee on you now because I've just <laughs> destroyed you completely. But I wanna make it even worse and you will never tweet to me again.
2: <laughs> I, I, like the, I like the guys who actually emailed me from their work addresses. Oh.
0: That's amazing. amazing.
2: And yeah. then I post those, you seem nice tweets. <laughs> I had one guy who's like, I can't believe you're posting my email address publicly. I'm going to sue you. I'm like, oh good, let's do that.
0: <laughs> I had one and I literally was like, I got... I literally was like Jerry Springer pissed off. And I like, was like, he's going down. And I found out where he worked and his boss. And I was like, ah, I'm going to bring him down. And then I was like, oh, somebody was like, you should do it with kindness and try to write back. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. I spent like an hour on crafting an email to the troll. And I was like, I was reading to my husband. I'm like, did I use the word really too much? I'm like, he's like, he called you a shit bag. And I was like, so maybe I don't have to <laughs> worry about my grammar. He's like, no, I think you're good. And then I sent it and I was like, I really, I was like, and I kept checking my email. I'm like, has he written back yet? Oh babe, I don't know, he hasn't written back. Why hasn't he written back? He's like, oh my God, it's like he's your boyfriend. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I need to like not worry about this. He's like, he's not gonna write you. I'm like, I was ghosted by my troll. It was, <laughs> right. No, well that happened. I
1: had somebody who was following me for a long time and it was like so abusive and I sort of liked it. And
0: then one day he stopped. And I'm just, like, I'm a little like, disappointed. like, what? <laughs> Wait, I have a question. Are you friends with Nunberg, or are you not friends with him? I can't tell. No, I'm friends with Nunberg. Okay, that's what I <laughs> But sometimes it, I see emails, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if they're friends or they're not, and, like, I couldn't yeah. tell. Okay, good. I After- mean,
1: he, I, I, mean, yeah, he calls me a lot. I,
0: yeah,
1: that's all we're going to say about that. He has a system where he, like, can see, he sees everything that is written about him, so uh, he, we can't mention his name or else he'll see it, but um, uh, he's my friend and I like him. I know that it's contrary to popular belief. <laughs> say, As this is going, the, going on, by say, the way. Those,
2: he's one of those, like, you know, in the Soviet purges when, when Lenin and Stalin purge people. <laughs> he's always that guy, that fourth guy over on the left side of the picture that gets cut out. Oh, and, and
1: Buddy. Wait, yeah. I just want to say one last thing about oh, Sam well, Nunberg. American Stop American. talking. I'm on a one, my woke teenage son. Get out. Get out. Woke teenage,
2: oh, woke teenage oh. son. If you want tell to say
1: hi, I want to hear. Hey, a, tell it. Tell
2: tell it him. Hey, hey, Molly. Molly yeah. Tell him it's Chapo Trap House and shut the hell up.
1: It's Chapo Trap. <laughs> it's Chapo. Rick says to tell you it's Chapo and shut <laughs> up. Can you go out, please? Um, <clears throat> and close the door. Um, but I just want to say one last thing about this, which is um. That is a very good description of Sam, number one. And the truest thing about Sam that has ever been said is that, so Sam, like, hates, Sam is always like, I hate Rick. He's a fucking asshole. I hate him. He was working for Bannon. Bannon left me a message and was like, we hate Rick. And then Rick and I did this podcast the other day, and Sam heard it. And Sam is like, I love Rick now. And he's like, calling me. He's, like just, just, he's like, I can't say it but I think he's great. Oh, so don't <laughs> tell anyone that I said that.
0: I'm sure he won't. So was. now it's out there. But
1: but he was like, I really like that, Rick. And I was like, your whole personality is that you hate him. So I don't know where that is.
2: Neither well, here nor I th- there. I think part of Sam's problem is, like a lot of these guys that surrounded Roger for years and years,
1: uh.
2: um, you know, Roger has this sort of like little cult of of guys who get around him and they think, oh, Roger ran the Nixon campaign and Roger ran the Bush <laughs> campaign and Roger ran the Reagan campaign. And and the greatest line, I've quoted this a, a couple of times in my book and elsewhere, this guy in New York City named Ray Harding used to run the Liberal Party. Now the Liberal Party was just like this political machine, not even particularly liberal or progressive. But Ray said to me in 1996 or seven, like the end of 96 or beginning of 97, Ray said, he goes, Two people believe in Roger Stone's bullshit. Roger Stone and that fucking moron, Trump. And I never forgot it.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. Do you yeah. think he's going to cooperate or do you think he's like hoping for a pardon? What's your prediction if you had a magic ball? Uh,
2: I, I suspect Roger is going to end up, I suspect some. I suspect Mueller's going to pass some charges over to a state somewhere. So that way and, he's, and so that way time. Roger's going to uh, die in prison. He's 66 years old and he's lived a hard life.
1: But the thing is also with Roger and I, this might, it's more of a question for Rick, uh, for Rick and Emily, which is, so Roger is, is like Manafort is not speaking because he's worried he's gonna get killed by the Russians, right? Yeah. 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 So w- doesn't Roger have that same issue?
2: No, Roger, Roger right now is milking this thing for all it's worth.
0: <laughs> I've never seen last... anybody love this so much in my life. It's like his but, life's blood.
2: Yeah, this is this is the greatest moment of Roger's life. He's <laughs> in the spotlight. Uh, he's not just making it up, um, and, and he is in the middle of a giant scandal. And he's monetizing the shit out of it. I guarantee you.
1: Oh uh, yeah.
2: And and he is playing this to the hill. However, you know, like a lot of things in the last couple of years, this this universe that people live in when they're saying Trumpish things. And, and you know that they think uh, Donald Trump, the wall is being built. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it, Roger's like, I'm never going to fold. Da, da, da. But when they present him with the thing and it says, "Oh, the mandatory minimum for these seven charges is going to leave you in jail for 18 to 24 years," and that means Roger gets out of jail when he's close to 85 years old. He's going to go. This.
0: I, I don't find him to be a loyal dude. Like I, I would assume he will. He'll see that and be like, "So I have a few things to say." Yeah. I mean, he's literally sucking off of this, like, political teat storm like nobody's business. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. Yes. Right. It's, I mean, but could he legally monetize this knowing, I mean, is he, legally, is there, there has to be some kind of law that'll stop him from making money off of this. Off well, you would, I
1: feel like that's the, that's like what everyone thinks at every point in the Trump administration right. It's right. like, legally, there has to be some law.
2: Is so so ra- he can he can have a legal defense fund. He can raise money for his legal defense fund,
0: like did?
2: Like Flynn did, yeah. But you know, uh, uh, Roger's got a couple of guys who are basically strip mall lawyers from Broward County.
0: <laughs> <We> <laughs> recently
1: got, they recently got they got right. better call lawyers.
2: lawyers. They're they're like real estate lawyers. I'm thinking this guy is gonna just he's gonna he's gonna hope for a pardon, raise a five million dollar legal defense yep. fund, pay these guys off, and and cash in the rest. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to get to play that play it out that way. I think, I think that you know a lot of attorneys I've talked to about the case, including some some former federal prosecutors, have said the way Mueller wrote this and the way the indictment looks, it is so tightly bounded that these are provable case. These are provable charges, and you put this guy in front of a jury with these charges, and it's bye bye. Right.
0: Do you do you think that? like how much longer do you both think this is gonna last? And do you think that the, the end game is like Trump will get indicted? Do you think he's, Mueller's gonna be like, and here it is?
1: I'll let Rick take that one.
2: You know, uh, here- here's... Tell me
0: something good, Rick, because otherwise I'm gonna cry in a corner and start shaking.
2: No, don't cry in a corner. What we've seen the entire time is that Robert Mueller is peeling back the layers of the onion exactly at time and place and degree of his choosing. And and there is enough there there where at the minimum, you know, Trump's entire organization, unless there's some cutout or deniability or some burner phone that we don't know about, right? Um, th- this thing is this thing is absolutely going the wrong way for Trump. It's never gotten any better.
0: No, there's- I feel like it keeps getting worse. And like I'm like, why aren't you packing your bags and leaving?
2: I mean. And that's the other thing. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to be dragged out feet first. He doesn't want to yeah. he doesn't want to be, you know, driven from office on the legal side. But because in part, the minute he's out of office, he becomes exposed to these things where he can't be protected by the by executive power. Um, but someday Donald Trump will not be president, whether it's in two years or six years, he will be oh. out of office. I I know. But it'll Ooh. I always say this and I always you know try to be the reality check. The Democrats always thirst for political death
0: mm-hmm. and We're they only win. Up, they so.
2: only win when they're lucky right. Like Barack Obama had luck and I I yeah. swear to you I'm, I'm the least like mystical person you'll ever meet. but I've seen it in politics over and over and over again that luck is real for people. Yeah, there that's... are people who have luck in politics and people who don't yeah And, and you know Barack Obama and Bill Clinton had luck. They could always get out of any amount of shit that they were in. They could always get out of any tough situation. They were always full of surprises. Hillary Clinton, the least lucky human being <laughs> But also,
1: she's she, you know, she cleared the field. I mean, I feel like we don't talk about this enough. Did, were we talking about this right? That she cleared the field, like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and she made Bernie like because she cleared the field, like so. She
2: never won on her own merit, and well, it was in, she was in ridiculous. one competitive race ever right. uh, that she won, and that was, you know, that, what that was that. <laughs> that was the first New York Senate race, and that by competitive, I mean to say there was an actual Republican who wasn't a felon running against her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rick Lazio was aff- a perfectly a perfectly affable fellow, but he was oh. like a you know he was like a, a an actuarial accountant at a laundry firm. The Joe Loda. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love me some Joe Loda. No, Joe,
0: and got, went, it, Joe and I went
2: rat hunting one time.
0: Jesus Christ!
2: Serious? Seriously? Seriously? Yeah. Don't ever tell
0: him that. Wait a minute. It's actually, <laughs> sort of amazing. Oh, wait a minute. Where did you go rat hunting? How does this work?
2: So, so the funny thing is, I in college at at, at George Washington, I used to make the pledges in my fraternity house go out and hunt rats with with golf clubs. Um, <laughs> and so I told Joe this. You seem
1: sport, nice. It's I just fun. Fun. no one's.
2: You got to, you, know, you got to have a sport. Um, <laughs> so when Joe was the deputy mayor for operations, he was the king of the rat hunting in New York. So I tell him <laughs> the story. He's like, "Oh, you're coming out with us." <laughs> oh, Jesus, Christ. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's but you know, look, the Democrats are always to loop back on that point. The yeah. Democrats are always, you know, they're they're always overshooting their coverage, and and they're always, you know. It, Call me crazy. I know it sounds. I know it sounds. You know, like like anathema, horrible. You know, the politics to say this, but maybe not telling Americans that you know you <laughs> want to do massive gun control uh, and and make abortion legal till forty minutes after the baby's born and all this other shit. Maybe just a few things in Middle America you might want to tune into. <laughs> But <laughs> because they're like, but AOC gets so many retweets. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's this is a big country. I've done I've done races or ads in 38 states, plus national campaigns, right? Right. And the Democrats have a tremendous, gigantic, huge, amazing advantage. Right. They're a lot more yeah. damage. Washington, New York, Massachusetts, Vermont. Boom. Okay. That's a big advantage for the Democrats but the rest of middle america mostly are not that politically edgy
1: right
2: and yeah. and not that politically you know and i mean I, I hate democrats hate when i tell them this barack obama ran as a liberal technocratic super far left republican in the yeah. first place he right. wasn't running as i'm going to burn down the, the capitalist yeah. system he was he was just completely like right, straight up the middle technocrat Right. And and you could have found Republicans and Democrats who were both in that same sort of ideological window, but now it's like if this becomes a primary about like who does who gets the AOC endorsement.
0: Oh, jeez. You know, welcome
2: to six more years of, of, of you know hair right. furor.
0: Who do you think's going to really fuck it up for the Dems?
2: Like, oh look. Do you, look, or
0: is I think I think
2: it? Bernie Sanders is absolutely going to fuck it up for the Democrats again oh. because the only thing close to like the fanaticism of Trump bros is Bernie bros. Bernie Brown, yeah. And nice. they don't care that he's 400 years old, Ugh. that he's a kooky old man, or that he's a wackadoodle socialist, you know. Why is he a Jew?
1: There's never been a Jew. As That's a Jew, I think is, this. There's no Jewish presidents.
0: There's like 10 Jews in, in the world. I mean, it's crazy. That like, was to me my issue. I'm like, America's not gonna do that as as another fellow Jew. Like, it's never gonna happen.
1: Right. I mean, I just think, like, you know what? I, I always say to my kids, I'm like, you know how many Jews there are in the world? And they're like, what? And I'm like, like, uh, you know, it's like 0.001% of the population. Like, they by rights should never be a Jewish president. I mean, it's just insane. There's like, there are no Jews. So, I mean, that seems to me like one of the least um, likely things, the thing that's really going to kill them in the end. And on a
0: well, side I, note, I'm going to send... I think, that's, send... A, I oh,
1: think that's
2: a factor, Molly. I think it's a factor, um... But I think, I think the fact that he's damn near 80 years old and (laughs) He's
0: 79. Yeah. Do you think
2: he's going to run
0: though, Rick? Do you really think he's going to come back?
2: I I think, I think Bernie wants to, wants to, to have one more turn at it so he can drag the Overton window to the left and make the party come to the left to meet him. So I think he's a strategic, I think it's a strategic run because Bernie's on the long march. He yeah. looks
0: literally like my father in law. And I will never post a public picture, but I will both DM you a picture. And literally, I my like secret like little like plot was like, I'm like, how can I put my father-in-law in so he can ruin it for Bernie? We can do like <laughs> one of those things. When you see the picture, you can be like, oh shit, there could be something here. Do you who else do you think? Who do you think would actually be viable for us for us for Dems?
2: Well, you know, I always tell Democrats this. I, I, if I were Democrats, I would wish for like a time machine to grab Joe Biden from ten years ago. Yeah, he was a little younger um, because the guy has Joe Biden has a populist edge to him, but there's no malice to it.
0: Right.
2: It, it's not like a populism of of and we're going to get rid of the brown people. Right. It's a it's it's a you know we're going to look out for you. Um and and I think that that. Is a flavor that that a lot of of more folks in the center could be comfortable with um, than a lot of the Democrats. I look. I think. I, I will say this. I think Harris, you know, she's had a good a good rollout. She's had an impressive yeah. rollout. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I can tell you one of the ways that guys like me beat Democrats all over the country over and over and over and over and over and over again is is that you know. A lot of Americans love guns. And they love guns.
1: <laughs>
2: and when she comes out and says, like, we're going to get rid of assault weapons and semi-automatic weapons, and we're going to have blah, 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 all they hear is, fuck you. Yep. And that's over. And, they're, you know, have fun winning the six states that you always win. Um, right. And then, you know, you end up letting Trump contest this on the matter of, on, on one giant cultural issue. And it's a real problem.
0: That's. I, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up, and it was... Even my dad, like a nice Jewish doctor, he had like a small militia of guns. Like it was crazy. <laughs> like we grew up with so many guns. It was, I literally, am like, are you arming somebody? But yeah, it was every, it was really bizarre too. He doesn't have them anymore, thank God. Um, there, was a, there was a, there was a, there was a small accident in the house where he actually shot his finger, but <laughs> yeah, no. And my mom was like, in, in, it's time, but it is, it's such a huge, huge, huge issue. Did you ever run campaigns in Missouri now that I bring it up? Uh,
2: we did, we did a couple races in Missouri, um, one, the last one was an abortive race where the candidate got out, uh, Sarah Steelman, uh, gosh, that was back in, what, I don't know, 12, something like that, okay. but I've done a lot of work there over the years. We've done some initiative work there, um, on the, the stem cell initiative a few years back, and then, so I'm familiar with Missouri politics.
0: You never did Greitens. You weren't involved with that. No, one, I
2: huh? never did Greitens. No, no, no. He,
0: he went to my Sunday school. We went to Sunday school together. Nice. We I think we drove carpool. We're trying to all my friends and I are trying to figure it out. And we're like, was he in our carpool? I'm not sure. I'm like, I know he didn't invite me to his bar mitzvah, so I already think he's a dick. <laughs> and he, I was like, well, you deserve all this. You didn't invite me, but i mean, we're trying to still like figure it out because I think he was a year or two older, was at least. that's what yeah, I was, yeah, I mean,
2: he's had um he's had a very challenging year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, it's one of those things where where those oh, there are super su- successful, super ambitious people. And they go, like the I went to Oxford, he's a SEAL and all this other stuff, yeah. and a great political success, et cetera. And yet, and yet politics is also full of people who are constantly seeking approval in weird ways. Yeah. And Emily, I'm sure you this like the intelligence world has this thing too. You're looking for that that money ideology compromise ego. Yep.
0: And oh, so
2: his that's ego led him down the path in this, into this weird ass, you know, a dominatrix thing, or BDSM thing, whatever it was. And you know, so even Missouri, this quiet sort of reserve state, you know, Midwest nice, has mm-hmm. has yes. Governor Spanky time.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's my new favorite name, Governor <laughs> Spanky time. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna have to use that at least three times this week. With um, my
2: compliments.
0: Oh, please, that's amazing. Uh, that's incredible. Yeah, it's it its funny you said mice. It's always everyone's like, oh, do you think Trump like? How would they ever get to him? Like, if you not see all of it, it's all of it. He's the it's, full mice.
2: Yeah, he's all he of
0: it. He is. He is legitimately a whole thing. Um, we only have a little bit more time, but I want to hear your thoughts on Schultz. Is he? Are we done? Is he gone?
2: No, I don't think he's gone yet. I think he is. Um, I think he had a. I think he had a. a, a you know, a takeoff that ran head all, headlong mm-hmm. into this perception He was going to end up taking votes away from the Democrats, and, and nuclear war ensued. It's interesting
1: to me um, about Schultz. He really is so rich. You would think that someone would have just said to him, like, "Don't be an asshole." asshole. Thank but you, but. It's, but you know, a lot of rich people, people where the, there is a common situation where a, a rich person does not have people tell them the truth. And obviously that's what's going on here because, you know, the bar is so much lower when people already are so predisposed to like you <laughs> that you're able to really just say, say stuff. You know, he clearly nobody has ever said to him, don't be an asshole. And uh, he needs someone to sit him down and say, "Don't be an asshole," because I, I'll, I don't do think, I mean, I'll do I don't, it. I don't think he has much of a platform, and I'm not a big yeah. fan, but um, he also just seems like a dick. And I think people really don't like that. You know, and also he makes like Al Gore look so
0: charismatic. I mean, I, he's like a coma. I literally said, "I feel like I'm watching a coma speak. He's, he's horrible. And I didn't okay. wanna say low energy because then I was like, oh, I shouldn't say that. But good God.
1: Yeah, he's terrible. I mean, he's just terrible. And I think like likability is an issue and he's not likable.
2: Well, having, having worked on a third party campaign effort to try to win the presidency with no money, <laughs> um, I can tell you it's virtually impossible with, with no money. It's just, it's just a, it, it's, it, there are still, even with money, there are very high hills to climb and very difficult realities in in terms of uh, getting through a campaign like that um, in terms of ballot access and everything else. So, you know, the real test in my mind isn't going to be whether, you know, he's good on TV right away. The real test in my mind is, do they get ballot access in enough states to get to 270? Uh Do they do the mechanical things? And look, Steve Schmidt's running the operation and Steve is very, 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 very smart and very, very, very good and very competent and knows the mechanics of all this. And, you know, it'll be a question. This is the first time a guy... And, and look, people think, oh, Trump ran and he had all this money. Trump, Trump was loaning himself money through yeah. a credit line. This wasn't Trump's money he was spending. We're gonna see what what Schultz's, you know, risk tolerance is for the the effort. And I'm not gonna write him off yet as a candidate, because... Mm-hmm. I think we've all learned our lesson of writing off <laughs> oh, <it's true. laughs> that a lot of people hate. What? Think are dicks and asshole. wait a
0: minute. What do you mean? I don't. i <laughs> Who? You know,
2: a lot of people, myself included, looked at the polls all through 2016 and said this fucking asshole Trump is never going to win. Right. And mm-hmm. here we are.
0: Oh God, Let him j- I when you say six more years, it literally, I had like a flop sweat. I was like, no, it can't happen. Do
2: oh, trust th- me, trust me. It's If it's six more years, you, uh, know, the, the, uh, the, the, you know, Rick goes to teach in Oxford or something.
0: <laughs> I, everyone's like, where will we move? And I was like, oh, I know. Well, I we are getting to end and I just wanna thank you both because I am huge fans and, and you're both delightful on Instagram as well. So I hope everyone who's listening <laughs> follows you on Instagram. Who's the cook in your family, Rick? Well you, you did a Dutch, like an Apple, a Dutch.
2: That, apple that was frosting. Molly. That was that was Molly on this end, not the, Molly Wilson, not Molly John Fast.
0: Very impressive.
2: Yeah, she is impressive in that regard. She uh she knows her way around the uh around the 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 food world like nobody's business.
0: Very impressive. And Molly, I literally like. If I'm ever on like a work conference call, which I hope nobody ever listens to me, I, I'm literally like, What's Molly doing? Oh, what's she eating? Is it cold now? What's going on with the kids? I I truly live for the updates. I'm like, Oh, this is. Oh, thank you. Everybody should follow. And I am um, just, if you guys are enjoying this conversation, you can visit deepstateradionetwork.com and support our work. By becoming a member, members receive early access to all the podcasts, one-on-one newsmaker interviews, discounts on Deep State Radio swag, daily newsletters, and more. And you can give the gift of a Deep State Radio Network membership to anyone for birthdays, Valentine's Days, all that kind of fun stuff. By the way, randomly, I was at a store, and someone's like, when's Valentine's Day? Do you know what the date is? And I was like, oh, his girlfriend's going to be pissed. (laughs) Oh, he's in so much trouble. I didn't correct him because I was like... He needs to sit in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also follow us, uh, Deep State Radio, on Twitter or Facebook. You can follow Rick at the Rick Wilson on Twitter, and you can follow Molly at Molly at Molly Jongfast. And Molly and I and Asha Rangappa will be doing a live State of the Union commentary podcast, where you can hear us saying all these amazing things um, during the State of the Union. If you can't bear just to watch it, which is quite a possibility. And I just want to thank you both again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thanks a for great having me. Talk to you soon. Talk okay.
2: to you. Bye. Bye. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.